Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. Y'all know what time it is. Time for a much less detailed podcast here with you live on a Friday night, November the 3rd, 2017. I'm Dre, he's Jay. I'm actually on the air to start the show. I, I can't believe it. I was able to get in and get this thing started the way it's supposed to be started. Finally, I'm in at the beginning and not, and not five minutes in. Uh, the the downside is that for some reason I can't seem to get to the to the main board. So I've, I've got no drops at all. So all the all the producing and the drops will be handled tonight by by Jay. So he's still in charge uh, somewhat, but he was gracious enough to let me do the introduction. We are back and we are licking our wounds once again over another Thursday night loss. We keep we keep riding with the road teams on these short Thursday nights, and we keep getting our asses embarrassed. And eventually, we're going to have to figure that out and, and stop doing that. But Jay, another road team takes a lick in uh, this time, the Buffalo Bills. I, I think we both kind of are skeptical of the Bills anyway, but they have been looking better and better. And we decided to trust them uh, against the sorry New York Jets and uh, the Jets basically kicked their ass. I'll tell you what, there was one thing we were right about. Mm-hmm. We're caught in a trap. I can't walk out because I love you too much, baby. Boy, how yeah, three weeks, three weeks in a row, and this time, proof positive: the best team does not always win the game. <laughs> Hey, we got to give Jake McCrown his credit, right? <laughs> it was just—it was dreadful football from start to finish. Um, I had a bad feeling about that game right from. It, it started very similar uh, to a game, and I, I'm trying to remember which game it was now. But from from a week or two before, where we were really worried about our pick because um, the Bills, just like this team, I'm trying to remember. I think it was the Eagles. Um, on that on that primetime game that they played a week or two ago where they start off and then just keep backing up towards their goal line and you're just like oh no oh no it, this, this is just not going to go well I knew right from there where Tyrod Taylor gets sacked at like the one yard line then there's a penalty and then they just look completely inept offensively against the Jets I knew two minutes into that game that we were fucked yeah, that was uh, that was a master class on how not to protect your quarterback, and it started bad and it, and it just kept getting worse. And I, I got to be honest, I fast forwarded through most of that game. I did not watch it live because it was just it started ugly and and it kept getting ugly. I said if it was something compelling, I'd watch the whole thing and take notes. But once I got a whiff of where it was going, I was just like, oh, this is this is not good, and and I just got that sick feeling in my stomach, like. 
why do we keep getting trapped by these road teams on Thursday night? It's been proven over the years that they're on, they're at a disadvantage, even though traveling from Buffalo to the, to the Meadowlands is obviously not that big of a journey. It's still just a matter of a short week mentally and physically. And these, these road teams are just, they're not getting it done. The jets came out once again, looking like the fresher team, just like all these lesser teams on Thursday night. And it's, this is the third week in a row now that the road team has, has been a team that we backed and it came up to bite us. And the ironic part is it's our fourth loss in a row on Thursday night as a duo, but the loss before that, uh, four weeks ago, that was actually a home team that we backed that wound up losing and, uh, See that was what the uh, yeah that was the the Panthers and then Cam Newton who we didn't know what the deal was with him losing to uh, coincidentally those Eagles that we just talked about and from there on we've been going road 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 and it's been lost 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 and it seems to be something I don't know how we're gonna stop that because I think the next road game the next Thursday night game is is once again the better team is, is on the road. I have to go look that up real quick, but uh, I, I I don't know what to do about it. It's so tempting to take the road team when it's the better team, but it, it hasn't worked out for us now three weeks in a row. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't 40 to nothing bad, but it, it was pretty damn close <laughs> when it was, when it was 27, seven, it had that feel. And, and there were moments, oh you know, yes. Yeah. It was a lopsided. It ended up 34, 21. Even into the third quarter, midway through the third quarter, you're still getting that feeling like, you know, the Bills get like two touchdowns here. They're only down 17-7, two touchdowns, and we're golden. We got to cover. They, their offense, just, their offense couldn't do anything. And I, I'm, I'm still wondering, even here in the aftermath, if we ever got a definite explanation of why. Calvin Benjamin did not play. It was just too new. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, you're going to get the coach speak about that, about, well, he, he just wasn't quite ready. It was a little – it was too short, too, too short a time for him to pick up all of our intricate plays. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure I, – I didn't see Sean McDermott's comments about it, but I'm sure that's pretty much the gist of what he said. There's no other explanation, right? There's, it's, he's going to say that it was – too short a time for him to learn their playbook and they felt safer uh, holding him out a week. That's the only thing they can go with. But I saw I a whole know. lot of bills. I saw a whole lot of bills receivers that they could have used that same explanation for. Yeah. I don't know how much work you need to do on the playbook to run a bunch of go routes, you know, and they know much. Charles clay. So when Charles, so Charles clay is uh, inactive for the game who is their best threat so far this season. That should have been the spot for me to just go, oh, yeah, I should change this pick. So I was like, nah, I'm going to roll with it, you know. These are the Jets. The Jets are garbage. And no. It... Got they us again. Used... They, they, they certainly could have used uh, Kelvin Benjamin or anyone else. Although, as it turned out, I guess it wouldn't have mattered because if you're Tyrod Taylor and you have no time to do anything, you just keep getting sacked yeah. all over the place, then I guess it doesn't really make much of a difference. I, I was not aware of the, you know, awfulness of the Bills O-line or were the Jets just up because that was probably, you know, and we forget about this a lot, these bad teams on Thursday nights at home 
you know, we always used to talk about this, like when it was, we'd always get that Titans Jags Thursday night game. And you'd always get these like total dog crap Thursday nighters. This was their one time to shine in prime time. And, you know, for all we're, we're all, we figured this is probably, that was it for the jets. <laughs> probably the last we're going to hear from them. You know, they can go back to, to, to you call them, you know, a tanking FedEx mail it in team. They can go right back to that. Now, they got their nice primetime win, and now they can just go away. Yeah, the next uh, next week's Thursday night game, once again, a better team is on the road as a worse the Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals. Do we dare make it four in a row? We don't have to make that pick now, obviously, uh, but I'm just saying. <laughs> to go with Drew Stanton and the Cardinals is going to be tough in any games this the rest of this year, including this week and, and especially next Thursday as well. So that's something to look forward to, I, I guess. But weird things happen on Thursday nights. And they keep happening over and over again. And we keep getting trapped, damn it. Yeah. And we're not just losing. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, these games are over before they start. It's 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 amazing. So... We, we lick our wounds and we move on for the rest of uh, week nine here in this crazy upside-down topsy-turvy season. Wow, right quick on the whistle there. I, I found the studio, by the way. I was able to get it up, so I'm, oh. I'm, 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 full, I'm full space command. I, I didn't get a chance to tell you, but I figured out how to get to the studio, so I'm, I'm good. I was listening um, for those cues, though. Yeah, yeah, you were right on it, uh, no, no problem with that. Um, I, I had usually I'd give out the, uh, the the plugs at this point before we get to to the rest of the picks, uh, just because I don't know where any other spot in order to fit them in during the show. So uh, I'll get them in real quick uh, right here. Picks are going to be up on our blog after we make those picks, and the blog site is in much less detail. Blogspot.com can always send us a note via email. With any questions or comments, you will send that to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. You want to hit me up on Twitter, I'm at IMLDDre. Jason is at IMLDJTG. You want to listen to this show as a podcast. After this live portion is over, we have an after show. And you can find that podcast in many different ways. You can come back to the live show page here, blogtalkradio.com slash inmuchlessdetail. You can go to the archives and find the show after we're finished with it. And you can find all the shows that we've ever done, as a matter of fact. Uh, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Uh, you can subscribe on many, many different podcasting apps and websites, uh, included but not limited to TuneIn and MixCloud and Player.fm and Blueberry and Breaker and Listen Notes and Pod Paradise and CastBox and a whole bunch of other wonderful websites that are hosting our show. Uh, I think that's about all the uh, the plugs that I have to give. So, yeah, now the whistle usually come, but Jason's already hit it, so we can move on and figure out our highlight games for this week. Slim Pickens, as we discussed before uh, the show started, Slim Pickens in, in what we're going to highlight this week. There's uh, the one main event that's obvious. We'll get to that because that's a late afternoon game, but we'll start with the less obvious uh, Atlanta Falcons and Carolina Panthers. Uh, I guess it, even that's a little obvious because it's two teams with winning records, and that's really, really hard to find this week, a game featuring two teams with winning records. But that's what we have with the Falcons and the Panthers. And 
don't know if either one of these two teams have all that bright of a future this season, considering how they've played very erratic, very uh, inconsistent. But one of these teams would do a lot to move forward in their season to get a big win here in Charlotte. The Falcons are four and three on the season. They are three and one on the road. The Panthers are five and three on the season, but they're only one and two at home. Uh, that would seem to indicate that the Falcons may have some sort of advantage. The, the Panthers not playing the way they're supposed to, uh, especially at home. Uh, I didn't understand the explanation of the Panthers. Speaking of Kelvin Benjamin, uh, their explanation for trading him was something about they that they were too clogged up at the line of scrimmage for the run game, that there were too many defenders up there because Kelvin Benjamin is such a big possession receiver, so they traded him to free up the run game. Huh? Have you ever heard of that description of, of we have to trade a wide receiver to free up our run game? I've, I've never heard anything like that in my life. Maybe he can't run block for shit. Perhaps that, that, that may have something to do with it. Uh, in any event, the Falcons are considered uh, the more consistent team and the team that you'd want to favor by the public because they are the favorites on the road, despite having one less win than the Panthers this, Panthers this year. The Falcons give two and a half points at the Carolina Panthers. Jason, who you got? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to actually take the home road team here. I'm going to take that favorite in the Falcons. The uh, Falcons have displayed a measure of ownership over the Panthers uh, going back to, you know, that second game back in 2015 when they, they spoiled the Panthers perfect season. And then last year, I, I know this is not the same style or anything like at that at all that we're seeing from this Atlanta offense, but they scored 81 points on the Panthers team last year in those two matchups. That's pretty good. So even if they've regressed a little bit, sometimes having that confidence of knowing that you absolutely crushed the opponent and a division opponent uh, twice last year, and that means you did it on the road just as well as you did it at home. Um, I actually like Atlanta to go down there. I think that win in the slop and in the rain and, and in that, in those horrible conditions might have been a little bit of a confidence boost. Cause that's, that's a game. I'm, I don't know how sure we were feeling about Atlanta. I took the jets in that one to cover the number. Um, I thought Atlanta could win. I, I was glad they won. You know, they ended up basically pulling off a five point win. Um, but it was a really ugly game. And they're not typically a team that can go and play in those types of conditions. The Jets are a good defensive team. I expected that Atlanta team to completely struggle and not be able to put up enough points overall. And they did it. Generally, conditions are a lot better down in Carolina. I think the Panthers, even though they're technically, quote-unquote, you know, better records-wise than Atlanta, I just don't know what to make of them. And, and, and you highlighted that just now with this whole – Calvin Benjamin trade. It makes no sense. So this is gonna this is gonna free up the run game. They don't come out and just absolutely run the ball right down the Falcons' throats tomorrow. It'll make us question it even more. And I'm not necessarily certain that they're going to come out and just pound, 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 and be able to win this game. We know Carolina's pretty crap on the back end, so I expect Matt Ryan 
Julio Jones, all those wideouts in better conditions to maybe get right. If we just keep waiting for this team to get right on offense, maybe this is the spot. I'll take the Falcons as the favorite. No, I do not expect the Panthers to come out and pound, pound, pound at all. Uh, Jonathan Stewart is fine, but he's not been hitting it the way he usually does. He might be getting a little older. And, of course, the big deal is the Stanford running back, Christian McCaffrey, who is not hitting it whatsoever the way they hoped that he would when he came out. Uh, they, he's been very good as a as a receiver out of the backfield, but – he is not getting between the tackles and doing anything. He's getting stoned pretty much every time he runs the football. So I don't see how Kelvin Benjamin getting traded is going to loosen anything up in the running game at all. I don't care how much better a receiver could possibly be that they put in his place, whether it's Curtis Samuel or whoever they they put out there. Uh, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. They don't. The, the receivers don't get in between the tackles and help block. You know, that's only going to help you on the outside if your running back can make it to the outside. And right now, McCaffrey and Stewart aren't able to bounce it and, and make it to the outside anyway. So I don't understand. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not a coach. I'm not one of the Panthers coaches. So I don't know as much about their team as they're supposed to know. But from the outside, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, as far as the passing game. Uh, they've really taken a tumble down. Uh, again, I'm looking at my trends and my uh, when I look at these teams uh, from three games ago to now, what's been trending up and what's been trending down. The Panthers have taken a huge tumble in their passing offense as far as yards per attempt. Uh, they were at 8.3 yards per attempt three games ago. They're all the way down to 6.9 right now. So. We remember at the beginning of the season when Cam Newton had his difficulties and we thought he was hurt, and then he went on a spurt where it looked like, all right, he's back. He's all the way there, and now he's back to slumping again. So it's it's extremely heckle and jide with Cam Newton this year, very much uh, on a roller coaster. And right now they're they're trending down, and, and they're going to look to try to trend up going against the Falcons' defense that, of course, is – fast and flying around and trying to make sure you don't have as much time in the pocket to do much of anything downfield. So this is probably the wrong time for this to, to occur to you, to lose your best wide receiver, pairing that up with already losing your best tight end and Greg Olson several weeks ago. Uh, it doesn't look like there's going to be much there in the air for the Panthers. It certainly doesn't look like there's going to be much there on the ground for the Panthers because it hasn't been all year and the Falcons are not bad against the run. Uh, it looks like the Panthers shot themselves in the dick, quite frankly. So I'm going to agree with you and take the Falcons. I don't understand what the Panthers are doing right now. I actually jumped the gun and said, uh, when I heard about this trade on the last show, I said, this is the type of move you make if you don't think you're contending. And to be honest, the Panthers have been so up and down. I wasn't looking at their record at the time. I thought maybe they were, uh, maybe they had a losing record. I thought maybe they were three and five and not five and three. This is the type of move you make when you're three and five. Uh, but the Panthers doing is a five and three just don't understand it. Uh, they deal a good possession receiver and, and host a blitzing fast D, which makes you throw quicker. This just makes too much sense to me. Uh, I, I got to take it. I'm not, not, I'm not locking it up. I, 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 I did, I didn't mean to go into making it sound like I was going to make this just a, a complete lock, but it does seem to make the most sense to take the Falcons in this spot uh, over the Panthers uh, and, 
I, I think that's backed up by people making the Falcons the favorites right now. Yeah, there's just I think there's a lot of confusion right now about the Panthers. You know, what are you doing? Yeah, this has got to be this line is more about Carolina, I think, than it is about Atlanta. Because I don't Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anything from Atlanta to tell me that they are, you know, three points better as a road team against a five and three team who you'd consider to be in normal situation a superior opponent. You know, this feels like cop out line territory. And then you have that line shift almost six points the other direction. It's like somebody's got to know something. Money is moving towards the Falcons. That's what that number tells you. Uh, maybe you know. Maybe all is not right in Charlotte. Our second highlight game. We are going to Nashville, Tennessee, as the Titans come off of a bye and host Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens. You were asking uh, about would. Uh, Kiko Alonso gets suspended for that drilling that he did of Flacco uh, in the primetime game uh, last week. And the ruling has come down that Alonso got fined but not suspended for that, which kind of backs up the way I think we both saw the play, which was really nasty and vicious, but not dirty and not malicious and not something that Alonso was clearly setting out to do. I think the NFL got that one right. He clearly was not trying to go hurt Joe Flacco or trying to go headhunt. Yeah, I don't know if and, you feel the same way about that. No, I do, and we both agreed on that play, and we've agreed on a lot of that this year. Where you know it's just guys playing hard football. If you start suspending guys for that, you, you know you're just things are confusing enough already. You know we talked about this on the last show. We don't know what a catch is anymore. We don't know who's playing or who's suspended. We don't know what pass interference is. Now we're just going to start dishing out suspensions, you know, for basically hard hitting football, which is what people are paying to go see. Well, yeah. in Alonzo's case, he he would be getting suspended for running too fast at a guy. Would basically be what uh, what he he'd be getting punished for. Yeah, you went and you went I, all out, son. Have a seat. Right. Exactly. Terrible, terrible move by you trying to get to the guy as fast as, as you possibly can. It's not safe. It's all about safety now. Safety. Anyway, uh, the Ravens are sort of off a of bye, too, with the Thursday nighter uh, last week. So that gave Flacco the extra few days, and it looks like he's going to make it back on the field uh, for this game against the Tennessee Titans. So that's a quick bounce back by, by him. We're you know, no ill will. Hopefully he's, he's all good and, and can be effective, or at least as effective as, as the 32nd ranked passing game in the league can possibly be. The Ravens at 4-4 four and four on the season, 2-2 two and two on the road, pretty much right down the middle, even headed for that dreaded 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, The Titans at 4-3, and three, like I said, coming off their bye, 2-1 at home. Corey Davis, the wide receiver, the rookie, who looked so impressive in the first game and hasn't played much since. Uh, is slated to return uh, off of injury. Uh, however, Delaney Walker, our one of our favorite players, or maybe our favorite tight end in the league, uh, has an ankle situation. He may give it a go. He may not be very effective. Ravens are the underdog, but it's a hook uh, attached to that. They are three-and-a-half-point dogs at Tennessee. And despite the hook, I'm going to go ahead and take the Titans and, and give the three-and-a-half. And it's kind of basic the way I see that as I have been 
talking about for the last few weeks uh, on this show. What I've observed by watching Ravens football is that they're soft up the middle on their defense. Their run defense is not nearly as sturdy as it normally is. Uh, they are currently 30th in the league in rush defense, if you count yards per game. They're giving up 4.2 yards a carry. And I really don't like the odds of a defense that seems to be soft up the middle coming in on the road, going to a, a Tennessee Titans team that is predicated on running the ball right up your gut. And they're rested and they're ready to go. And Delaney or uh, uh, DeMarco Murray and, and Derek Henry, I think are going to be ready to rock. And I think they're going to go for about 200 yards as a team. I, I really see a huge game on the ground for the Tennessee Titans. It's, this is another one that seems to break down pretty simply. Baltimore can't stop the run right now, uh, especially up the middle, and Tennessee really loves to run it up the middle. Uh, and Corey Davis coming back can only help because if you give Marcus Mariota any weapons at all and it helps them open up that receiving game, if you get the, uh, the defense sucking in trying to stop the run and give Mariota any shot at all on play action, uh, he's going to take those shots downfield. He he has proven that he's getting more and more confident uh, as he plays more in the NFL. This is his third year. He's just gotten better and better. Uh, we both liked him enough to pick the Titans as a playoff team this year, and I think this is a nice spot to sort of start the ball rolling towards uh, being good enough to, to make the playoffs. This is a, a good spot to come off a bye, be at home, and have a nice little – uh, to me, soft way to, to get back on track and get on the roll. And, and so I will give the Titans and, and give the three and a half and take the Titans uh, going going at home. Uh, I, I really think they they really have a good spot here against the, uh, the inconsistent, to say the least, Baltimore Ravens. I concur. I, too, for mostly the same reasons, will go along with you on this one and take the Tennessee Titans. You don't want to play, if you're Baltimore, a team like Tennessee that's rested because that you know they're a team that is physical and they really do come after you on the ground. And you gave everybody that bye week and a week of rest, and you can't underestimate the news this week with Deshaun Watson blowing out his ACL that the door is clearly open now for the Titans to run after the Jaguars. I oh, I can't believe I'm saying that. To go after the Jaguars to hunt down take the that division. Jaguars. What we were right, and that's what we're saying is that clearly there's a pathway. You know, <laughs> you know, we don't talk about really the Titans as much of a of a of a playoff team from year to year, but we saw more from them last year as a team on the rise than what we've seen from Jacksonville over history, where this is more more recent history now this year for Jacksonville. So I think the Titans now, instead of having a three team race, are looking at this as a as a two team race. And I would I would not be shocked if the mentality down there in Nashville is that they are looking at themselves now as the best team in that division. Now that they're coming out of the bye, the news as bad as it was this week with, with the Watson injury really does go Tennessee's way. I expect them to come out and look like the team that we expected them to look like early in the season. 
you know, nothing, nothing helps. Some, that buy can sometimes be the best thing that comes along for a team. And I've never been somebody who, who focuses too much on, you know, oh, this team's coming off of the buy, unless it's Andy Reid coach teams. I'm not too focused on teams coming <laughs> off the buy where you've got like a major historical, you know, statistic that says that you really want to bank on this, but just the physicality of the Titans, you know, getting a weapon back at the receiver position, which they, they desperately, they desperately need some playmakers out on the edges for Mariota. But this isn't the kind of game I think they're going to have to throw deep a lot. You're going to have that, that two headed running back situation sprinkled in with Mariota's feet, you know, and he's gotten that extra time to rest now from being a little bit slowed down. Um, I believe it was the hammy, you know, got two weeks now to rest. And the Titans, I think, t- handle business. Uh, I, you know, I always love the unders on Titans games. Because it seems like when they win, they win these games, you know, 17 to 10, you know, 21-17. It just feels like a low-scoring game, which is a little scary about the hook. But I still feel more confident about the Titans than I do the Ravens. So I will give the hook. Well, the one thing we definitely know after yesterday's news, there's no denying or doubting who's got the best quarterback in the AFC South now by a mile. It's Tennessee. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was Indianapolis. No, not after yesterday's news. Poor, poor Colts. Colts and Texans. Yeah, on the same day. Yeah. Yeah, I believe when I uh, texted you that, I don't know. Had you heard the news at that point? Oh, about the uh, I yeah, had just uh, yeah, I had just tweeted that link to uh, to the Ian Rappaport uh, tweet. I just forwarded that like five minutes before you texted me. Yeah, I, I saw it. I was like, oh, son of a bitch. Yeah, and I I know I responded back to you, but I, I was real. I really meant it, and I felt that about the league just feels less fun now. There's 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 less to look forward to after what we've been seeing the last six, seven weeks out of Deshaun Watson. It's just like you feel a little empty when you lose, a, you know, that a playmaker that was really, you know, opening up a lot of eyes. You know, there were a lot of people who were just rooting for him. I found myself rooting for him. Like, I wanted him to succeed. I wanted him to do well. Um especially, you know, coming out of college and being the national champion and just, you know, then also being the third quarterback off the board, as we talked about in the last show, I found myself rooting for, for Deshaun Watson and, 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 and the excitement that we were starting to see, because that's something that's been sorely lacking this year. And now that's gone. Yeah. And you talked about it last show about how wonderful that game was game of the year material and how excited you were to see what was coming up in the future for the kid. And I was excited too. And then it's just taken away just like that. I agree. And I, uh, with your, your your feelings and your sentiment that it takes a little bit of the fun out of what's because I was thinking about the Texans at the end of the year and how much better he might get with some more experience, what kind of a monster that might be in the playoffs. And now you can, throw that completely out the window you can you might as well throw the whole texans team out the window right now because they're not going to overcome losing their quarterback and their two best defensive players the odds would be very long 
All right, our third highlight game to the main event of the weekend is going to be the Chiefs and the Cowboys. Kansas City at 6-2, and two, but kind of wobbling a little bit lately. And Dallas at 4-3, and three, kind of steadying themselves a little bit after wobbling earlier uh, before their bye. Uh, Kansas City, however, is 3-1 and one on the road, and Dallas is 1-2 and two at home. We remember those two home beatings that they took the most two most recent home games uh giving up 30 points in back-to-back games and now they're back home after all of that and the big deal of course is that they will have their star running back it's like he's uh doing the green mile walk he's on and he's on his way and once again ezekiel elliott has been granted a, a reprieve has been granted a, a governor's pardon and he has avoided death row once again for the time being. So he will play in this game on Sunday. What's going to happen the week after that is absolutely anyone's guess. But for now, Zeke is up for the Cowboys and therefore the Cowboys are the favorites. Even though it's a small number, Chiefs are plus two and a half at Big D. Jason, who you got? You know, this is one of those that I, I like the feeling in this game that I'm getting about the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not going to lock this down, but they clearly are learning how to live with this will he or won't he play thing with Ezekiel Elliott. They're just in this mode now where it's like, yeah, you know what? Every week that we have him is just a luxury and, and we'll take it. So, they're clearly featuring him and, and and figuring this out with their offensive line. Just keep feeding Ezekiel Elliott the ball because at some point he's going to get a nice rest. He's going to get a really nice vacation at some point here. So let's just lean on our let's just lean on our feature back. Let's just let him handle the load and carry the mail and 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 carry us to some wins because they are chasing the Philadelphia Eagles right now for that division crown. Um, you know, we expect the Eagles to regress a little bit, but you, you don't know anything. We don't know anything this year, even though we're experts. We got, we got told we were experts <laughs> on the last show. Right. We did forget to mention that these are expert picks, but I do like the look of that team right now. And the chiefs, the chiefs have lost a little bit of that shine, but if there is the potential this week to have a game that looked like what we had last week with Houston and Seattle, wow, I feel stunned to say that we could see a shootout on Sunday between the Chiefs and the Cowboys. And just to think that the Chiefs would be able to hang in a shootout with anybody is a testament to how far that offense has come along. But I really do look for like a, you know, 35-31. I'm really looking for a explosive game. We know that the Chiefs don't stop many players and teams from staying off the board. I mean, they gave up 35 to the Rams. So they definitely have it in them to give up a lot of points to the Chiefs. But I think that the Cowboys have kind of found this rhythm. They're, they're blocking better. You know, the running game is going to open up the passing game. Dak Prescott, second season, not quite as good as the first, but he's still he's still hanging in there. He's not really showing like the, so- the sophomore slump. He's doing good enough job to keep them in games and get them some wins. Not definitely the story this year, like he was last year coming out of absolute nowhere, but
but he's still there. He's not in danger of losing the job. He's going to go out there. He's going to get his work. And as long as he's got 21 to turn around and give the ball to, they're going to be able to put points on the board. So I like the Chiefs to stay in this one. I'm going to take the Cowboys to cover in a high-scoring game. Yeah, it's like uh, Groundhog Day. I didn't upload the I Got You, Babe, for uh, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, but it's just over and over again. Every Sunday he wakes up and, oh, I'm not suspended. I can I can play. Hey, wait. I feel better. No, I'm not going to go to that again. Um, but, yeah, he, he's, he's back out there. Uh, he, he got spared death row again, another stay of execution. And because of that, I'm going to agree with you for the third time tonight out of three picks. And I'm going to take the Cowboys as well. It feels like every time, like you said, that they get a chance to, to play with Ezekiel Elliott, the Cowboys are going to uh, take advantage. And, and uh, I don't know if this is tasteless or not, but kind of like a, a friend who's dying or a relative who's dying, every day you get with them, take advantage. Enjoy every day you can because you just don't know when he's going to be gone. And one day you're going to look up and Ezekiel Elliott's going to be on that six-week vacation as you already mentioned. Uh, yeah, they do seem to be sort of energized now and, and playing with more of an abandon, uh, knowing that the suspension seems to be looming. And it, I can only imagine what the players are going through in a locker room that every week, oh boy, we're going to lose Zeke this week as well. Got to get ready to, to go with Al Morrison, uh, Darren McFadden. These are our guys. You got to get ready to ride with them. Oh, here comes the weekend. It's another stay of execution. All right, we get to play with our guy. Uh, it's certainly a unique season that the Cowboys are going through. Uh, but the Chiefs uh, will provide a, a challenge, but that incredible offense that they're bringing in is sliding off a little bit. They're trending really bad in the wrong direction, especially in the run game. We remember what Kareem Hunt, the rookie, was doing uh, at the beginning of the season. And that was sort of unsustainable, those numbers. And sure enough, they've fallen off. Uh, the Chiefs were averaging 5.7 yards per carry three games ago, which is extremely lofty. And they're down to 4.9 now, so that's been sliding. Uh, and the Cowboys, not the best run defense in the league by a mile, but, uh, and this is where he, I'll give him the proper credit he deserves, not over-the-top slobbering credit, but the proper credit. Sean Lee being healthy, being back in there is a, a big help to the Cowboys run game. He does uh, plug up those holes and, and flow to the ball nicely. The Messiah is up and healthy for now. Sean Lee is healthy for now. Uh, so he will be a big help in, in trying to, uh, once again, contain Kareem Hunt. And I actually agree with you. I do see it back and forth uh, in high scoring as well. Uh, one of those games that we talked about when Eric Berry got injured that the Chiefs would really miss having Eric Berry out there. And I think they're really going to miss having Eric Berry uh, in their defensive backfield. So might be something where Dak uh, Prescott can make a connection with Des Bryant and, and help that relationship along because that seems to be sort of struggling around a little bit that I still think that Des's career is sort of slacking off a little bit because Prescott is still, you know, relatively inexperienced and clearly does not have that connection with him yet. But if that happens, if that, if they, if those two finally get on the same page and make some big connections, that's going to, 
be a big, big key in making sure that Prescott over the long term uh, is a successful quarterback for the Cowboys because he's not going to approach anything that Tony Romo did until he starts making that connection with Dez. That's just how I see Dak Prescott. Give him all the credit for all that he did in his rookie year and so far this year, but until that relationship grows, it's not going to really be the same level of success. But I agree with you. I think the Cowboys run wild. I got a couple of different teams going for close to 200 yards on the ground, and and we just talked about both of them, the Titans, and I think the Cowboys also go for close to 200. I think Zeke has another uh, big game, uh, shaking off another uh, suspension and, and surviving one more week, and I will agree with you and take the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, I, I almost look at the analogy when you were talking about using them up uh, with Ezekiel Elliott, kind of like the way that the uh, – I hate to use a baseball reference here, but kind of like what Joe Madden did to Aroldis Chapman last year in the playoffs. Like, you know what, son? <laughs> we rented you for three months, and I'm going to throw you out there until your arm falls off. And I, I think the Cowboys have come to this realization that they are just going to pound and pound and pound and pound Ezekiel Elliott to get as much as they can out of him and soak him dry before he has to take a six-week sabbatical. Yeah, and they probably should do that as well. That's probably a and good strategy. That's what I would do. Yeah, because once it's he's cold. gone, they're really going to yeah. miss him. <laughs> yeah, because you're going to get zero from him when he's hurt, when he's gone. Not when he's hurt, but you know when, he, when, he's, when he's suspended. He finally gets suspended, which we know is going to come somewhere down the line. On to the rest of week nine and even more, less detail in the NFL. Tampa Bay visits New Orleans. Jameis Winston and the two and five Buccaneers. Not quite sure what's wrong with Jameis. He seems to be injured and trying to play through it. Uh, And the Saints at uh, five and two have run off a winning streak and they're looking like a, a dangerous team. They're, the defense did improve as we thought they might, and they are looking very, very strong. So, Jameis and the Bucks are six and a half point dogs at Drew Brees and the Saints. I'm gonna go with the Bucks to stay close in a tough division matchup. I think there's familiarity here. Sometimes that keeps games a little tighter. The number seems a little large. I still don't trust the Saints' defense. I need to see more. <laughs> We'll see if we'll see if they can put some pressure on him with Winston and those good receivers and just start to get right. Sometimes you just you go to the dome, even if you're the road team, and, and you can put some things up. And that Saints, we haven't talked much about the Saints offense has been shifting away from Drew Brees a little bit and been going more to the ground game. You know, Drew Brees isn't getting any younger. Um, so I think that that'll be enough to keep the score at least tight, and I'll take the Bucks to cover. Man, we see this one exactly the same, too. This is getting really scary. Um, I I wrote down about the run-first New Orleans offense now, which is very strange because Drew Brees has been such a highly prolific quarterback over the years, but they are definitely shifting to a run-first offense and and grinding away with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara uh, against the Tampa Bay defense. Uh, They're not too bad against the run, so there may be a little resistance there. Um, and as you said, on the track in the dome, some teams can open up and, and do better uh, offensively than normally. So maybe Jameis does start to air it out and starts to feel better. Very, very many teams, very, very many quarterbacks have 
started to feel a lot better once they get inside the Superdome and see the Saints defense across from them. So as much as the Saints have been improving on defense, um, I will agree with you and take the six and a half points and, and go with the Buccaneers. The LA Rams and the New York Giants in the rare matchup of both teams were on a bye and now get to face off against each other. But one team is five and two and the other team is one and six. So despite the fact that they're both coming off of buys, the Rams are the road favorites. Rams give four at the Giants. Yeah, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I can't take the Rams as a road favorite. I can't do it. <laughs> I had to take the Giants at home. I just can't do it. It's hard to imagine. I know. I, I, it's very, very hard to imagine. I, I, I That part I agree with, but as far as the pick goes – I, I can't I can't do it. I can't take Eli Manning the way the Giants are playing right now, and he's got no <laughs> weapons, and, and I, I, I can't trust the Giants right now. Uh, I got one PFF stat about uh, Aaron Donald. Just a reminder that every now and then we got to remind ourselves how great Aaron Donald is for the Rams. 20.5% uh, of his pass rushes so far this season, he's gotten pressure on the quarterback, and that is unbelievable for an interior lineman to get pressure on 20% of his rushes. That is just incredible. Uh, he's been one of the top defenders since he got into the league. And he, him fresh off a of bye just by himself, never mind any of the other L.A. defenders, but him fresh off a of bye uh, against that Giants offensive line. Eli Manning is probably going to be on his ass more than the New York hooker on Sunday. Uh, so I will take the Rams and, and give the four points. Uh, should be a big day for uh, Todd Gurley on the ground against the Giants as well because Olivier Vernon and Jonathan Casillas both uh, will not make the start for this game. So that should open up the middle a lot for the Rams' uh, running game. Moving on to Cincinnati and Jacksonville, the Bengals at three and four, the Jags. At four and three, the Jags are coming off a bye, and everyone loves the Jags because they're the the ten sack team, the 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 Saxonville Jaguars, as some certain other podcasts might be calling them now, as hokey as that might be. Uh, and the Bengals and Andy Dalton sort of limping along through this year. The three and four Bengals are five and a half point underdogs at the four and three Jaguars. Yeah, and most quarterbacks perform badly under pressure, but some quarterbacks perform a whole special new level of bad under pressure, and that would be Andy Dalton. He is terrible if you get after him. He's not the most mobile guy. Jacksonville rested. Again, another team coming off the bye. A rested team. Those defensive guys are going to be coming off the ball hard. I'm going to take Jacksonville here uh, pretty easy. So rested team coming off the bye, the only team, once again, with 10 or more sacks in two different games in the same season, the first team since might 1984, Chicago Bears. <laughs> it might be three. I'm going to believe that Bill Lazor and Andy Dalton and the Bengals are smart enough to know that the Jaguars are rested and, and sacking everybody in sight and are going to come after them. This is why you institute a new offense. This is why Bill Lazor is there to, to 
implement a game plan with quicker passes to keep Andy Dalton from getting sacked 10, 12, 14 times. This is why you're here. If Andy Dalton goes down more than five times in this game, Bill Lazor probably needs to be fired on the spot. He needs to leave him in Jacksonville because this is why you're here, dude. This is why we brought you in. So I'm gonna, I'm just going to take Cincinnati. I think they can even win the game. Bill Lazor better have some tricks up his sleeve because Jacksonville is an, indeed going to be coming after him. And, and another uh, factor is that the Jaguars, for whatever reason, I guess they're so busy running uh, after the quarterback and trying to rush up field, they're forgetting about the running backs running behind them. They're dead last in the league in run defense. They're giving up 5.2 yards per carry. The Bengals have been going on this merry-go-round trying to figure out who they want to trust in their running back rotation uh, between Joe Mixon and Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard. This might be the game for them to get that figured out and, and get on the right page. And a lot of draw plays. I guess I see a lot of draw plays to those Cincinnati running backs as they go running past the pass rush going up the field. So I actually like Cincinnati uh, and the points in that game. Denver Broncos and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Broncos at three and four, the, the week of – quarterbacks getting demoted or, or getting hurt. Uh, there were, uh, well, three of them if you count Andy, uh, Andrew Luck. But this one was just a straight demotion. As I called on the last show, I believe I had that one. Vance Joseph saw the light and had to sit down Trevor Simeon because he's been terrible. And it's Osweiler time again. Our, our guy, our favorite quarterback, Brock Osweiler, he's in the saddle for the Broncos. So, I mean, as terrible as it is, he had to do something. He just had to. Uh, the three and four Broncos are seven-point underdogs at the almighty seven and one. You can almost play the music for them, too, the seven and one Philadelphia Eagles. While we both agree that Brock Osweiler is just absolute garbage, filth, trash, tire fire, diarrhea, whatever you want to call it in the quarterback position, what he was with Houston – He's in a spot here where he's familiar. He, this is the same bunch of, go- of guys that he won a bunch of games with, game managing that Broncos team in Peyton Manning's absence uh, during that Super Bowl year. I kind of like this spot for the Broncos. This, this feels like you know everybody should be all over the Eagles. They're flying high. I think the Broncos come in there. That defense knows they're going to play the quote-unquote best team in football. As long as Osweiler's not out there throwing pick sixes and shit in the bed and just moving the chains and doing the old Novocaine offense, I actually like the Broncos to pull a stunner here and beat the Eagles. Woo! Wow, that is bold. You kind of like the Broncos in this fight. I love the Broncos in this fight. You know how we both have felt about the Eagles and the, the overlove of Carson Wentz ever since he arrived last year. And this is indeed the spot for Brock Osweiler to come in and game manage the Broncos to a win. Just keep handling it off to your backs who have been doing a good job, C.J. Anderson and Jamal Charles. Uh, they Also, Brock Osweiler gets Emmanuel Sanders back. Uh, as a as a very good possession receiver, which he's going to need that help when he does have those third down situations. 
uh, yeah, I'm uh, for those same reasons that you said. I do indeed like the Broncos to pull off an upset and beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Just stay out of the way, Brock. Don't turn the ball over. Just stay out of the way and let the no-fly zone shut down uh, Carson Wentz and the Eagles, uh, who are certainly flying high, but certainly have not been playing defenses the the the, the caliber of the Broncos the last few weeks. So just just don't. Don't fuck up and let the Denver defense do what they're supposed to do, and and they can absolutely win this game. I, I completely agree with you. I, I see it the exact same way. This is really frightening that we're seeing things the exact same way. That that probably doesn't bode well for us. Uh, the Colts and the Texans. <laughs> Two and twelve. Here we come. Uh, the Colts and the Texans. Uh, Andrew Luck and Deshaun Watson sitting uh, in in private boxes and watching this game, or maybe not. Maybe they don't even want to bother being at the game. They're so depressed and disappointed for anyone who hasn't heard. Andrew Luck has officially finally been ruled out for the rest of the year with whatever this shoulder injury is that uh, his his dipshit owner, Jim Irsay, said he would be ready by week one. And as as it turned out, uh, he might be ready by week one, but it will be 2018 instead of 17. Uh, but the Colts and Jake Brisket are now going to face Tom Savage and the Houston Texans. Ground control to Major Tom. Tom Savage once again back in the saddle after being benched after one half of football uh, for Deshaun Watson. But now they have to rely on Tom again. The 2-6 and six Colts are still seven-point underdogs at the 3-4 and four Houston Texans. You know, now that the Texans have lost Deshaun Watson – I think back to that game last week because what's sort of lost in the shuffle of how amazing Deshaun Watson was in that game was that the Houston Texans gave up 41 points to the Seattle Seahawks. Now we get to see a Houston team without their quarterback and J.J. Watt and without Merciless. I'll Mm. take the Colts. Thank you. Backing it in. Oof. I guess I'm still trusting the the Texans, and more importantly, I'm still trusting uh, Bill O'Brien. There has to be something that he learned about letting his quarterback go in all of these weeks that he had success with Deshaun Watson. Yes, I realize there are a ton of things that he did that Tom Savage just cannot do. But I want to see if he still lets Tom Savage open it up a little Uh, and and takes the reins off him a little bit. It's so stifling to have the reins on your quarterback, and you have athletes like Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins, and you don't let them loose. You don't let them do what they're supposed to do. And I'm also looking at the fact that the Colts are absolutely atrocious defending the pass this year. They're they're giving up 8.9 yards per pass attempt. I think he has to let Tom Savage go a little bit, even if he makes some mistakes, even if he turns it over a couple times. I still think he needs to see – this is a perfect op- uh, opponent for Bill O'Brien to see what he's got the rest of the year in Tom Savage. If Tom Savage can't perform against the Indianapolis Colts as, as terrible as they their defense has been playing this year, then they can really completely pack it in. So I'm actually going to continue to trust the Houston Texans. I'm going to give the seven points and, and, I guess, cross my fingers on that one. Washington yeah, and Seattle. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure O'Brien is thinking about letting Tom Savage go but not in the way you're thinking. (laughs) 
the Redskins and the Seahawks as we start our, our late game picks. Uh, Washington at three and four. Kirk Cousins and the Skins are seven-point underdogs at Russell Wilson and the five and two Seahawks coming off of that game against the Texans last week. You said it. Coming off that game against the Texans last week, there's nowhere to go but down after that one. I'm going to take the Redskins. I'm going to take the Redskins to cover. Um, I think Seattle's going to pull off one of their patented look like crap for three quarters games and then just come out and eke one out at the end. A lot of injuries in this one that may shape what happens in, in this ball game. Two tight ends not being able to play for the Redskins. Uh, uh, Reed, the, the, the stud, and also Niles Paul, the backup. Uh, they likely will not have Jamison Crowder as a receiver as well, and they likely will not have their left tackle, Trent Williams. But Seattle's got a lot of defensive injuries of their own. They likely will not have their stud free safety Earl Thomas or their middle linebacker Bobby Wagner. So it would be really bad for Washington with all their offensive uh, weapons missing, except Seattle's going to have some key defenders missing as well. Did you see where uh, Pete Carroll said that this is going to be Ed Lacy's gig? This is Eddie Lacy's turn to run the ball and really get the bulk of carries. So I wonder how you feel about that. A lot better about my pick. (laughs) I think I concur. I, I'm also going to take the Redskins and give the uh, and take the seven points. Uh, I'm also afraid that Dwayne Brown, his first assignment as the new Seattle left tackle, go hold off Ryan Kerrigan right out of the box. Good luck. Uh, that might be a little much for him to handle, especially not having played so much of the year. So I'm going to take the skins and the points along with you. San Francisco uh, hosting Arizona. Uh, Arizona coming off a bye, and now another quarterback uh, going down and another new man in town. It's Drew Stanton stepping up for the Cardinals. They are two-and-a-half-point favorites at the winless 0-8 San Francisco 49ers, who will not go with Janine Garofalo just yet. It's more C.J. Beathard. You know, the last time we saw Drew Stanton taking meaningful snaps for the uh, for the Arizona Cardinals, he finished guiding them into the playoffs. And then only when he got hurt did we have to go through the Ryan Lindley experience. So Stanton is a proven commodity. That team is not garbage with him. Um, I will take the Cardinals here uh, to get one over on the 49ers. I think a lot of money is going to go the 49ers way for some reason. I've got a weird feeling people are going to be picking the Niners here because, oh, no Palmer. No, Stanton's not terrible. He's not a starter in the league but he's a solid enough backup that he can beat the worst team in football. Uh, this is a rematch of week four. Arizona held off San Fran 18 to 15, two different quarterbacks in that one. Uh, Brian Hoyer and Carson Palmer. Palmer threw for 357 yards. Two terrible quarterbacks in this matchup. I think Stan is pretty bad, but he's he's not the worst. Uh, but Arizona has a much more passable defense, so I will agree with you and take Arizona. On Sunday night, it's the Oakland Raiders and the Miami Dolphins. But I got bad flashbacks of the last time Oakland was on Sunday night. They were at Washington and they got shellacked. So we'll see if this is any different. But the Raiders at three and five and desperate for a win are the favorite. They give three points at the four and three Dolphins. Who looks like they're going to have yeah, the rumor. Yeah, I was going to say, Jay Cutler back. So we get to see that deal 3.9 yards per attempt. I think Oakland <laughs> wins this one pretty easy. I'll take the Raiders. I guess I'm still just scared off by that that 
that Sunday night, uh, it was awful. They didn't even show up. And again, no Gary and Conley or David Amerson is at cornerback for Oakland. I think Jay Culler comes back and lights it up and, and Miami gets the win down uh, at home in Miami. And on Monday night, it's the Lions and the Packers. Again, another missing quarterback, no Aaron Rodgers. So Detroit is the favorite. They give two points at Green Bay. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Packers coming off of their bye. I think Brett Hundley gets a little bit more confidence, and they lean heavily on Aaron Jones. And I think the Packers sneak out a win here on Monday night. Everyone will have to listen to the after show to get my pick and my thoughts on that one. Uh, so I guess I can open up and, and go into a little more detail about it. Uh, Aaron Jones specifically is the reason why I'm actually going to take the uh, the Lions in this one. I think it's going to be an ugly game. We got uh, Detroit not being able to find the end zone lately. And, and we got Green Bay, of course, with Brett Hundley. Uh, so Green Bay is going to attempt to rely on Aaron Jones, who's been very impressive, but the Lions made an impression on me the way they hemmed in Le'Veon Bell last week, even though the Steelers still won the game. Uh, and the Lions have been tough against the run all year. They're only giving up 3.6 yards a carry. I think they know Brett Hundley isn't where he's supposed to be. He's not going to be all that much of a threat. And I think until he proves that he's a threat, that Detroit is just going to play up and, you know, eight and nine in the box and dare Brett Hundley to beat them. And I think they're going to hem in Aaron Jones and, and shut down what he's been doing all year. And that leaves a, a quarterback matchup of Matthew Stafford versus Brett Hundley. And that's just a complete mismatch. So I will go ahead and take the lions in that one. Yeah, this is an interesting matchup. Um, my, you know, my absolute hatred <laughs> of, the Packers and Mike McCarthy's halftime adjustments because they were in the game against lack thereof. They were in the game against the saints. They were in the game before that when Aaron Rodgers got hurt, they've been in games and then you just watch them go into a complete shell and, and and then they just look like they can't do anything. And they get into this obvious, obvious first down run, second down run, uh Oh, third and long now. And let's just sprinkle in a holding call or an illegal motion or something totally ridiculous, you know, to just set us back even more. So now that third and seven becomes a third and 12 or a third and 14, you know, they've been shooting themselves in the foot. They were in those games. I think the bye week, everybody got that breath. They got that, they got the practice in, they're playing the team that they're familiar with. And don't forget, the Lions here are playing the Packers, and the Packers have a winning record. Not good news <laughs> for the Detroit Lions if you're playing a team that's above 500. I still don't does think that, they've beaten a team above 500 going back to last year. Doesn't that get mitigated by the fact that those four wins for the Packers came with a Hall of Fame quarterback and he's not going to be there? This isn't about the Packers here. This is about the Lions. <laughs> the Lions can't beat teams with winning records. I'm putting this one all out there. Because if they can't beat the Packers with Brett Hundley, <laughs> we are on to something. And Hundley has shown well, you, moments. You, you would be on to something. I, I'm, I'm waving yeah. myself off of this one. This, this is all you. Yeah. 
Hunley's had some moments, but they look, they just look afraid. You know, they looked afraid against the Saints. Like, we were, oh, we're in the game. We're winning. They were winning that game in the fourth quarter. And getting a dominant and running performance they, that, that should have opened things up for them, right? Yeah. And they did not look like they knew what to do. In, like, they didn't expect to be winning that game. They had no plan right. for winning that game. They expected to lose, and you saw it play out through that, you know, late through the third quarter into the fourth quarter when the lead was evaporating. Like, we don't know what to do. If we had Aaron Rodgers, we'd know what to do. The coaching was atrocious <laughs> in that game. So I, I'm really interested. This, this being a Monday night game, I'm going to, you know, and I'm, I'm not working on Monday night. I'm going to have all eyes on this game on Monday. You know, I'm on a nice little, nice little four-day weekend here right now. I don't go. I don't go back to work till Tuesday, and I'm really going to be trying to, to soak in as much of that game as possible because I'm very curious to see what they've changed or what they've added or what they're allowing Brett Hundley to do. Um, because if it looks like it did in the two previous games, I think that also affirms my position. You know, and I, I'd be the first one to say that it might be time for the Packers to start thinking about moving on from their coach. Uh, I know that's harsh because they lost the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that's harsh because they they lost Aaron Rodgers and you're not going to throw him under the bus. But they weren't making any adjustments with Aaron Rodgers. They were winning because Aaron Rodgers was being Aaron Rodgers. I think he was overcoming just with his athleticism and making plays, you know, and doing all the, the dancing around and avoiding the sacks. Now they actually have to coach, <laughs> and if, if they can't make it through this, I think we'll find out. Um, you might start to hear some rumblings, especially if they just keep losing and losing and losing and losing and losing. Do you think McCarthy would have already been gone if he didn't have the one ring? Yes. Okay. That buys you a Asked lot. That's an answer. Come on. Winning – Yeah. <laughs> Winning the uh, winning the title buys you a lot. I mean, it buys you some rope. No, no doubt. Uh, we, we probably can think of a whole lot of coaches that bought themselves a whole lot of time by winning a championship that, that maybe they didn't deserve to have that kind of time. Like Tom Coughlin. <laughs> bought him two stuff. rings. Every time... Every time he was about to get fired, he bought himself some more. He won a title, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm about to get fired. I better win a title. Heading over to heading over to the old Home Depot. Need some need some need some rope. (laughs) They found themselves some hardware while he was over there. Yeah, uh, I I guess I agree with that. it's been a quite a long reign by McCarthy and for the same sort of issues to, to keep creeping up uh, every time that we watched them. Uh, yeah. I, I think I, uh, I think I agree with you that he'd already be out of there. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'll be watching that game Monday night very intently as well. We can sort of compare notes and see, because this is, this is the guy for the Packers the rest of the year, Brett Hundley. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely have some detailed scouting reports and, and report back what we, what we see if we, see the same things or see things differently uh, should we look forward to. 
um, after all the yeah. kumbaya and, and handholding of our picks uh, at the beginning there, we wound up differing on five. So um, it, it will be a compelling week as, uh, as the day goes on. We agree on a lot of the early stuff, but uh, a little later on, it gets, gets a little interesting. Yeah, but five's not exactly the most contentious week. I mean, when we're, when we're out there throwing out nines and tens, that's when you start sweating. Yeah, and I, I got that wrong. It was actually all the the later games on Sunday that we agree on, those three late ones. Uh, we started off early agreeing, but it's still early. It's still in the afternoon, the early afternoon games. that We, we have three that we differ on there, and then the two night games is basically how that breaks down. Okay. So we'll know yeah. coming out. So going into the 3 o'clock games, we're going to know which one of us is behind the eight ball going into those primetime games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, unless we uh, unless we're feeling pushy, the the Rams yeah, could win we'll, by four. Yeah, luck would always have it. Yeah, we'll go one, one, and one in those three games. Yep. And then have to and put all the weight onto the yeah onto the afternoon games. Tom Savage could and win by seven, and that'd be another push. But you wouldn't want to push there because that's your that's your lock. You got the Colts to absolutely take down the Texans. Yeah. I do. I mean, the last time I saw Tom Savage, other than that half of football, that forgettable half he played before Deshaun Watson came in, was when he was trying to concuss himself and running <laughs> and, and, and diving headfirst into the opponents uh, on quarterback sneaks, trying to get hurt because I don't think he wanted to play. He is terrible. See, you might want well talk again. Go back to that game here. You talk about letting him go and letting him do the things that Deshaun Watson was doing. Tom Savage is not going to be – he's not this guy who's insanely mobile, who's going to be pulling his best Russell Wilson impersonation, trying to, you know, escape the pocket that's collapsing, dance around, like doing almost like the Aaron Rodgers thing and running around and looking to throw the ball downfield and put pressure on the defense. Tom Savage is going to stand there and get sacked. No, I specifically said that Tom Savage can't do what Deshaun Watson was doing. What I think is going to happen is O'Brien is going to trust Tom Savage to do the best Tom Savage, to be the best Tom Savage that he can be, uh, because I'm hoping that he has a newfound confidence in whoever he puts at quarterback, considering what he made out of Deshaun Watson in such a short period of time. I think maybe he'll trust Tom Savage to do more than what he was trusting him to do in the first half of the first game of the season. And I think this is a perfect opponent to try that out against because the Colts are terrible trying to stop anybody from throwing on them. So that's my reasons for that. Yeah. It'll be interesting, though. That That's one of the games, even though it's a bad game, uh, one of the games I'm a little bit more interested in because I do want to see what the, how the Texans adjust to life now without yeah. their – you know, who was probably going to be the rookie of the year. I mean, oh, yeah. We, you know, the the statistics that he was putting up, you know, where he was setting records for, like, touchdown passes by a rookie in his first seven games, um, first rookie. He had already tied the rookie record of three touchdown games. He'd already tied the record. And there were yeah. eight, nine games left to go. I mean – he was clearly running away with this thing and keeping the Texans relevant 
and O'Brien realized that at halftime of the first game, and now he's got to go back to that guy that he saw <laughs> enough of by halftime of the first game. He's like, mm, no, nah, this isn't going to work. This is, now this is the guy probably the whole rest of the season, unless things just the, – the wheels fall off the cart for the Texans and they go to some – I don't know who their third stringer is, but I'd be warming them up. I think it might be TJ Yates. I'd be warming him up. I'd feel better with <laughs> TJ Yates. Oh. We might see TJ Yates in this game. I think a lot of betters feel like I do. Like they they gotta they, they can't completely fall off. They got because there's no real excuse for making Tom Savage a seven point favorite over anybody. So I think he gets the benefit of the doubt this this time out. And if he's shitty again like he was in week one, then the, the Texans will completely tumble off the face of the earth. I'll be interested to see where that line is by Sunday morning. Yeah, me too. And where that line actually, where that line has moved all week, you know what what the what the line history is on that game. I mean, I'm going to look at that right now. <laughs> well, well, this one's <laughs> tough. This one. Oh tough my god! Because that, I I didn't was, see the line at the beginning of the week, so I'm assuming that they were probably doing favorites over the Colts before the injury. They were in the they were in the 14 to 15 range all week. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's and, and yeah. Between seven for now. Between between two o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> yesterday and eight o'clock when they updated the line, it went from thirteen and a half to seven. Mm. Just that's, instantaneously. That's... And yeah. I am stunned it I am stunned it did not drop more. <laughs> Telling you a lot of people feel like I do. They, they, they can't fall off that far. They can't fall off that far. We'll, we'll, and they and we'll the over under the over under on this game oh. had been as high as <laughs> 50, 51 and a half. Uh Man, now. now it's down to forty five and a half. <laughs> So they shaved. Yeah, the line got cut in half, and they shaved a full touchdown almost off of the over/under. They shaved a full touchdown off of the line and the over/under. Deshaun Watson cost six and a half to seven points all by himself, and, yeah. and that's no, that, that's for this game. If if Watson is this, if if our, uh, uh, Savage is this bad, it would be more. It would be a lot more. Going forward, if, if, if Savage is as bad to, uh, on Sunday as he was in week one. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, covers.com because where I look at here, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different um, bookkeeping sites, bookmaking sites. Uh, eight out of the nine already have this down to six and a half points. And one of them is still holding at seven. One of them still holding on at seven. The rest of them are all down to six and a half. And I wouldn't be shocked if this moves into five, five and a half territory by kickoff. Mm. No, I, I wouldn't be surprised either. Yeah, we got uh, seven. Any, any, that was, uh, that was yeah. 20 minutes well, before and, we went on the air. There's clearly a still a seven on the that. board. So it's not like one of those where it's like, what? Where'd you get that number from? No, most, you know. Uh, seven seven's a solid number. I mean, we 
I'll take more points since I have the underdog. Yes, you're you're happy with the seven. Yeah, although seven being a lock is you know seven or six and a half means nothing at that point. <laughs> right. Then so you have a lock of the week. Hoping, six and a half might as well be seven. You're just hoping it's not a push because that would just be anguish. Yeah, I just I don't know if Houston can just score enough points to. You know, I could see a a six-point type win. You know, I could see a 23-17, 24-18, something really ugly, you know, in that in that area there. I, and, again, I'm saying that with the full understanding that I, hard, I find it hard to believe I'm even saying that I think Houston can score 24 with Tom Savage. It's, it's going to be tough. <laughs> I'll admit it's going to be tough. Uh, I had one stat that I never that I completely overlooked and, and forgot to get to. Part of my reasoning for thinking that Jay Cutler might come back and, and go off on the Oakland Raiders, uh, as I've said many times, I think that secondary is complete garbage anyway, and they're missing two of their top three cornerbacks, maybe their top two cornerbacks. Uh, Cutler's supposed to be back. Devontae Parker is supposed to be back up as well. He's been he was Cutler's favorite receiver those first. Uh, four or five, six weeks of the year. And combined with all of that, combined with this stat that I heard on the uh, around the NFL podcast uh, from NFL Network, uh, they pointed me out to the fact that the Oakland Raiders are the first team, I believe they said in the, in the history of football, with zero team interceptions through the first eight games of a season. How hard is that to do? You don't even accidentally run into a tipped pick uh, or, or anything like that in the first eight games, zero interceptions, zero turnovers by going and getting a ball out of the air. That is just pathetic. And so that helps me feel a little better about taking the Dolphins. That sounds like me on the more recent incantations, incarnations, I should say, of Madden. <laughs> getting no picks? It seems like it's impossible. <laughs> just run into something, right? By yeah. accident. It feels like it is almost impossible to pick somebody off in these newer versions of Madden. Now I got to run and see how many, uh, how far behind are they in the in the NFL? How, who's who's second worst in interceptions? Is it like three or is it like seven or eight? Is it a lot? So now I got to check that out. That seems like it's hard to do. Oh my God, I can't. I, I, eight games? You have the season and had no interceptions. Almost feels like plenty of Major League Baseball with, with no team home runs or something. That just that does seem impossible. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're seriously. You're just going to be standing there. You're going to get a gift, right? Yeah, a tip. Uh, the D lineman tips the ball in the air, and your linebacker runs under it. Just, just something. Just a complete gift out of nowhere. Uh, just you, you would think. Uh, so someone has uh, a couple teams have only two on the year. So it's not. Oh, there's Oakland with zero. But yeah, it's uh, the your Falcons and the Dolphins actually only have two team interceptions all year as well. Which is that's still incredible. That zero is is uh, is just impossible. But only two is pretty damn, uh, pretty damn bad too. Through eight games, 
although the Dolphins have only played seven. Either way, that's not one of yeah. those categories where you're looking for the, the silver lining. No, there, there's not much silver lining in that. Yeah, you're not going to be I mean, unless you were... Yeah, you guys, you guys ain't got no picks. Yeah, well, you have two. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> The only way that could be good is if you're just sacking the quarterback so much that he doesn't have time to throw it up in the air for you. But that, that's not the case, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, they're not just doing strip sacks. This isn't Jacksonville. Right. Sacks. And you would think. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah. You would think that if you were a team that was putting that much pressure on the opposing quarterback, that you would have more picks. More mistakes. Right. When I think of the Falcons, I think of a team that doesn't put any pressure on the quarterback. They try to, I mean, give them effort, <laughs> but they don't put a lot of pressure on the opposing quarterbacks. They, they, they try their damnedest, though. They really do. They, they want to get there. They just don't. Dan Quinn, he's trying to build them like the Seahawks, trying to be light and fast. And sometimes when you're yeah. a little too light, you wind up getting – hung up and not being able to get home to the quarterback. That's the whole thing about trying to put together a team in the mold of another team is the reason the team that you're trying to copy is so good is usually because they have superior talent. The Seahawks had Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas and Bobby Wagner and Bruce Irvin and, and on and on and on and Bennett, you know, you just, they had a special defense. So you can try to copy that all day long, but if you don't have the people, you're going to fail. Well, you certainly tried to draft the people over the years, so he's he's yeah, trying. It's, it's, it's still a work in progress. And they had quite a bit of success last year, you'd have to say, despite the yeah. result of the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they – it, was, it looked great for the first, you know, 37, 38 minutes of that Super Bowl. It looked phenomenal. And it looked great before that against Aaron Rodgers a couple of games and, and before that. Yeah. So he, he's putting it together. They're, they're slowing down a little bit this year. But I think we both predicted that, that they were going to fall off as well. That, that's Super Bowl losers, as we know, uh, have, have don't exactly come back and dominate the next year. Well, let's not forget that a lot of that Falcons pressure and the success that they were having was, you know, kind of predicated on the fact that their offense was blowing people's doors off. And then that's when you can pin your ears back and go after the quarterback. This year they're playing a lot lower scoring games, a lot closer games. Um, So they've actually got to go out there and play, you know, just normal defense. And that's, they were clearly, they're clearly built as a front running defense. Seattle's very similar. Seattle, you know, mm-hmm. definitely improves as a lot as they get the lead. And then they start playing with a lead, and you know, Russell Wilson can play keep away, and then they, they have to give the ball back. That defense goes, and they get after it. Atlanta's not in those games this year. No, definitely a different year for the Falcons altogether. But, you know, we're still only at the midway point. There's – you know, we know that there's a lot of things that are going to change between now and the end of the season as we start, as we get into the playoffs, you know, and teams that look golden right now are just, they're not going to be so good anymore come December. And 
there, there's going to be one of those teams that's just under 500 or a team that we've completely written off that's going to go on a run. It's, it's what history says will happen to us. And the fun of it is trying to figure out who's going to do what. And I think I've cast my lot with – I. I I smite the Eagles to hell and I don't believe them at all. And uh, I'm I'm lifting up the Texans and hoping they can rally behind their new old quarterback. I'm, I'm I'm putting my eggs in, in some, in some baskets here. And uh, I don't know quite how to feel about it. Yeah. I'm not sure Tom Savage is the guy I want to be hitching my trailer to. I guess I'm thinking about he showed some flashes to me last year uh, before this terrible half of football this year that defining him at the moment that he get a, he gets a chance to rectify that on Sunday but he's not he's not ass I don't I don't think he's ass I think he's got some some arm talent I think uh the, he's got a, another chance to prove why Bill O'Brien anointed him the starter for one half uh and and hopefully he takes advantage of that but I guess that's what I'm going on is I've seen him when he was kind of decent and I think he's got a chance to return to that, especially against the Colts. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking at Tom Savage here's not, not an extensive career. So there's not a whole lot to, to go by. He's only made three starts. He's one and two. Um, He's got a 60% completion rate, zero touchdowns. (laughs) Uh, he has not thrown an NFL touchdown yet. How's that sound? Um, about as bad as going eight games without getting an interception. Yeah, that's it. That's in 105 attempts. He has not thrown a touchdown. He has zero touchdowns and one pick. And uh, a 6.2 career yards per attempt. Yeah, that's that's not good. And and in the one game that he played, I love this because they have the sack rate, you know, what percentage your sack rate is. Um, 2014, his sack rate was 5%. So 5% of the time he dropped back, he got sacked. Last year, when he had to play, it was 6.4%. In the one half of football that he <laughs> played in that opening game, it was 35%. I think that's going to come down. That's my bold prediction. I, I hope you do better hope so. He got sacked more than one out of every three snaps. <laughs> Did they play the Jags in that first game? They yes. had to have, right? Yes, that, that yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. yes, there it is. Tom Savage. They lost 29 to 7. He was 7 for 13 for 62 yards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson completes seven balls. He throws for like 280. Tom Savage completes seven balls. He throws for 62 yards, and he got sacked six times. Wow. In that game. But that was sort of the that was the beginning of what we didn't know about the Jacksonville Jaguars. That we suspected, but we didn't know it was going to come out like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not, did not see that start coming. So maybe, maybe just maybe, Tom Savage gets a chance here against a, a softer defense. I can definitely see your point. 
in the uh, Bengals-Jaguars game, uh, speaking of Jacksonville, I, I also neglected to mention that Leonard Fournette should make his return uh, in the backfield for the Jags. Yeah, I think that's going to help them, huh? <laughs> you think? <laughs> Boy, just, howdy. Just a, just a little bit, <laughs> yeah. That'll help them just a little bit. Uh, I would certainly hope so for their Boy, howdy. However, I I'm, I got the Bengals in that one. I got a feeling that they're they're not going to just let Andy Dalton sit back there and, and be a statue. They got to know better. They got to know. They can't be that dumb. If they are that dumb, Marvin Lewis needs to be fired on the spot. And Bill Lazor. I believe I believe you already mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, it's worth mentioning again. No, I, I, uh, so I they had been Bill Lazor and Jacksonville. Games. I didn't. Marvin Lewis in there, but uh, throw him in there as well. The two games that Tom Savage started last year for the Houston Texans were you know, the last two games of the season. Uh, they beat the Bengals, so there was a win. They beat them. He got a win. He didn't throw to a touchdown, 10. but he got a win. They beat them yeah. twelve to ten, and then the in week uh, sixteen, or in the last game, so week seventeen. They went on the road and played the Titans, and they lost 24-17. So, again, tight games, ugly. I I expect tight and ugly. That's what I expect here. (laughs) Yeah, I I probably didn't watch either one of those games, so I don't have anything written down about Tom's head, but I just remember from – watching him that he he's got he's got arm talent he's and he should being in the nfl but uh he, he's not uh, I, I i like him better than like you know blaine gabbard and, and and matt moore and some of these other terrible backups around the league i, I think he's got more arm talent than uh, most of these other backup guys uh and, and i think bill o'brien did not trust him with that because he, he saw how he's been struggling and he hasn't thrown a touchdown and he he, he didn't want to risk taking the reins off him and letting him go too loose and making a bunch of mistakes. And as a result, he winds up standing back there in the pocket like a deer in headlights and then getting sacked over and over again. I remember that, that game in Jacksonville. I remember seeing the highlights and he just stood there for a lot of, after a while, he just didn't want to even try to throw it away. He just dropped back and just stood there and wait for, waiting for the sack. And it's like, okay. That's <laughs> exactly up. why he got benched. Yeah, pretty much. I see exactly why he benched him because he he wasn't doing anything. He was just dropping back in and standing the, there. So he took the snap and just laid down gently and put on the, the turf in the, the backfield put, and just waited put, for someone to run up and touch him down. Put the football under his head for as a pillow and just laid there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, I think we've seen that this year. I, I, I know we've seen that for a touchdown celebration. Yeah, somebody went night night. I, I forget who it was, but yeah, you're right. Seen a Speaking lot of, of touchdown celebrations. celebrations. Speaking of that, we are now getting the full blowback from the league. You know, legislating the the celebrating out of football because these celebrations are so dumb. It's like dinner theater. They're, yeah, I mean. But the league deserves it. So it's one of those things where I totally <laughs> admit that I find zero entertainment value in most of these stupid touchdown dances or celebrations or parties or duck-duck goose or any of that stuff. But I can go seek. 
hide and go seek, duck duck goose. I mean, what are you tiddly winks? You know, hopscotch. I mean, what do we come on? <laughs> but I'm also ideas. fully on board. I am fully on board with the fact that the league has deserves every bit of this that they get. And these are the clean celebrations. We haven't got to the playoffs yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had Odell Beckham just... uh, putting out his leg and, and pretending like he was taking a piss, but that was uh, in response to the Trump son of a bitch stuff. Uh, but I think as the season goes on and the stakes get a little higher, the celebrations will probably get a little more you know, risque and a little more lewd because that's I just have a feeling it's going to go down that road because as the the touchdowns get more important and, and bigger in stakes, that the guys are going to be a little more like, yeah, I really want to celebrate now. Watch this. I'm going to pretend like I'm having sex on the field. <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm anticipating something like that coming. So right see, right I now it's all it funny games. So you should be happy with what you're seeing. See, I think we're watching the mid-season version where it's just over the top and stupid. I think when you start getting into tight games and playoff games, the last thing you want to do is bring attention to yourself or feel like you're upstaging your opponent because all you're going to do is make the other team mad at you. You know, you don't want to give the other team fuel, especially if it's a tight game. I honestly think that we're going to see a little less of this as we get into more meaningful games and into the playoffs. I think we both might be right. I think uh, yeah, you're right. certain teams and certain players are going to tone it down and, uh, and, and other guys like the, uh, like Antonio Brown, like a, uh, uh, whoever the modern day uh, Ocho Cinco or Terrell Owens might be uh, ready to, guys like that are going to be ready to, to sort of strike. Like, this is my moment. This is my time now to do something completely outlandish and make a name for myself. Uh, you might get a, a reprieve of Joe Horn taking out the cell phone or something. Somebody might take a, sharp, a Sharpie out and, and do a reprieve of that. I, I think certain guys are waiting for, like, the really big moments to just go completely ham and, and go crazy uh, with, with some sort of crazy celebration. So, uh but yeah, other guys, I, I see your point, would be more along the lines of, let me just hand the ball to the ref and, and celebrate with my team because we just made the playoffs or something like that. And, and I don't want to do anything to, to draw a penalty and then make my coaches and teammates mad at me. Yeah, I could see that even coming down like in, in the coaching room. Like, hey, guys, I know you're going to be excited if you score a touchdown in this game, but you know, let's not think like we won the Super Bowl every time we score a touchdown because – that's not what's happened. I mean, I remember watching that with the baseball playoffs. Uh, it was that, that series where the Cubs played the Nationals, and the Nationals had that one, uh, the walk-off victory. And, and I do believe, watching it, that the way they were celebrating on the field, I knew they were done because they were acting like they had won the World Series, and I knew they were going to come back and they were going to lose the next game, and that is exactly what happened. So sometimes you got to watch the, you got to watch how excited you get over something, or you know, if you're worried more about scripting your and choreographing your celebrations in the end zone than you are about where you're supposed to be or who's your guy, you know, 
that's why I think when things get a little tighter, you're going to see a little less. I'll tell you one excuse me, one celebration that they won't repeat. I don't think you're going to see anyone run out to the star in the middle of uh, Jerry World and, <laughs> and slam the ball down on it. No. Well, George Teague isn't in the league anymore, so maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe he can do that. How, how is Multiple George spots. Teague not in? How is George Teague <laughs> not in the Hall of Infamy yet? Uh, there's 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 room there's still room they're, they're still building on uh, additions and extensions so there's still plenty of room for them <laughs> but yeah you, th- you think about that moment when, when T.O. had done it and then he goes and he does it again and he's standing there and he's just hamming it up and then he just gets lit up Teague. by George meanwhile Teague. off screen <laughs> off screen Teague is getting a running start and it's just yeah. laser beams <laughs> <laughs> Come flying in! I'm about to hit you so hard. Yeah, that you're gonna go flying. Yeah, that, that had to be the most satisfying hit of his career, I'm sure. <laughs> and George, George Teague was a solid NFL player. Yeah, I remember him. Nice, nice player, hard hitter. Yeah, Packers, but, but no, but Cowboys. No, no hit harder than that. You know, it's it, it's. It's hard when it's hard to yeah to disagree with you because it's not that often that you just get to tee up somebody like that. I mean, Terrell yeah. Owens was literally waiting on a tee for someone to come <laughs> and, and jack him up because he was so busy, and, you know, you know, motioning at the fans and you know his arms are all out. And he's like, look at me, I'm the greatest of all time. And oh, you know, and all it takes is a shoulder, you know, and the kidneys and the ribs to to take you out of that. You know what? All credit to T.O. That motherfucker got up and put the ball back and started posing again after that hit. That's a <laughs> yeah. tough bitch right there. <laughs> I don't think anybody ever uh, questioned the toughness of Terrell Owens. No, that's for sure. How the fuck is he not in the Hall of Fame? That, that's why the Hall of Fame is a joke anyway. There's no reason he's not in the Hall of Fame. I remember the hit that he took at the end of that. I remember the hit that he took at the end of that playoff game for the 49ers when Steve Young hit him. Yeah. Um, in the in the in the game against the Packers when he broke the the receptions yeah. record playoff record, and to you know the hit that he took at the end of that game, the, you know today would probably be a flag. Um, of course. Targeting. And held on to that ball. Yeah, targeting. Held on to that ball in the end zone to win the game, and it shouldn't. There's no way in any right that he should have held on to that ball. And of course, I remember it because it cost me the pick. <laughs> you would remember that always, for that reason. I always hated him through the years just for that, and and they they still replay that play to this day. They still replay, it. and he's on the sideline crying after he caught it. He's so happy yeah. that he made the catch, and because up until that point he was just a guy and he wasn't making that big of an impact, and that that play actually sort of like put him on the map. And yeah, they knocked off Brett Favre and the Packers in the playoffs with that particular throw, and, and he's all emotional about it. And I'm like, you cocksucking piece of shit! You, how, how did you hold on that ball? How did you do that? So, I, I never quite forgave him for that, but absolutely respect this game. Yeah. So, so what else we got tonight? Uh, I think we're gonna be calling it right there. I know I'm. Uh, 
a little tired from dinner. I know you went out to dinner. We we both actually yep. wound up having late dinners and got back to do our picks here and, and made it through the show. I was uh, I don't know how many times I stuttered. I stuttered even more during that show than I normally do because I'm still loopy and sleepy from from having dinner. Yeah, I had a couple of drinks tonight. I had a couple beers. It's snowing pretty good here right now too. Go figure. This is our second Ugh. snowstorm, second one already. For any new listeners, by the way, you're up there in, in central Wisconsin where winter is yeah. certainly uh, every year comes a lot earlier than for most uh, everybody else. It, it's eight months out of the year. And I'm actually down here in the in the southern part of the country in, in suburban Memphis, Tennessee, where uh, this morning it was, uh, I hate to tell you, 70 degrees. <laughs> God. I don't know what damn happened. Damn it. <laughs> I don't know what happened to the cold snap we had last week when it was actually close to the 30s, but it's it's no longer close to the 30s. It was uh, it was in the mid 70s today. Yeah, well, my wife right. and I went to dinner and we had a nice dinner, and then we went and we were walking around downtown, and then we went and had stopped in a place and we had a little live music, and we got a little dessert and walked around a little bit more, and then we went to the store to get some food. Um, for the weekend because we know it's supposed to, you know, snow a little bit tonight and we're supposed to get a few inches of snow and didn't really feel like neither one of us were like, yeah, I don't really want to go out and have to go get any groceries in the morning. So we ran over to the grocery store and wouldn't you know, we walked out of the store just about to head home and like all the cars were covered with snow already. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> they look like we walked into the store and... It was like, okay, it feels like it's going to do something. You're seeing a couple little flakes. Um, like it's trying to, you know, precipitate a little bit. And then the time it took us to walk around in the store and then get all the groceries and do a little shopping and then walk out to the car, it was like it was on all the cars already. You know, by the time we got home, there was probably almost an inch of snow already on the grass and on my car. Yeah, it's just like, oh, it's here. It's winter. It, it's arrived. Yeah. You guys don't yell, winter is coming. Winter is here up there. Yeah, no, winter is permanent, I think is what we should say up here. <laughs> there really is oh, only and, uh, summer for eight weeks, 12 weeks, and then <laughs> pretty much you're just waiting for the snow. And uh, so the world champion Houston Astros, how how strange uh, does yeah. that sound? And what did you think of that game seven? Well, the game seven was a bit of a, you know, a letdown after that, some of those games that we had in that series. But the Dodgers clearly just could not live up to the moment. I mean, they got floppy um, on defense. And the Astros took advantage of it. And then well, you got five runs in the first two innings. And then it was just cruise control, and the Dodgers just—they had no answer. They looked like the Cubs trying to sit, trying to hit six-run home runs with nobody on base. Yeah, they kept having opportunities. They just couldn't bring anybody home. Yeah, right. And leave all those guys in scoring position. Leave all those guys on base. Kill all those rallies, or you hit a guy ball right at a guy. It just sometimes it's just not your night, right? Sometimes it just wasn't meant to go your way. You know, but I got to go back. I got to go back to that game, too. 
when the Dodgers are about to go up 2 nothing, and Kenley Jansen mm. decides to basically throw an 0-2 gopher ball to Marlon Gonzalez. On an 0-2 pitch, he throws him just like a straight, like, get me over, hear me go, hit me fastball. And Gonzalez just jacks that thing out, and that whole, you know, and then the Astros go on to win that game in extras when the Dodgers were on their way to being up 2-0. Yeah, do you think and he, my, uh, my feeling that pitching is, is his nightmare. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And then the other feeling I also had about that series was I I, I don't know if I ever got to say it on the air with you because of the way the series went down, but you know at work with my coworkers, anybody I was talking to about the World Series, my my suspicion was that whoever won Game Five was was going to win the series. I because I, if the Dodgers, I, I had a firm suspicion that if the Dodgers won Game Five and went up three two that there was no way that the Astros were going to win those two games on the road. They weren't going to do what the Cubs did the year before, where the Cubs were actually better on the road. Dodgers have been shit on the road. But when the Astros won game five, I had a feeling that they'd be able to at least win one out of those last two games. And it ended up playing out that way. Once uh, the Dodgers were able to overcome Justin Verlander and win Game Six and, and make it a, a anybody's game in Game Seven, I was people were asking me, coworkers and and people at my at my bowling alley, uh, who was I rooting for in that Game Seven? I was I just want to see a good game. I just want to see who's going to actually come through and do what they need to do to to win the game. And I just and I really didn't have a rooting interest at that point, but I will admit to feeling a little bit of trepidation for the Dodgers. I'm not going to make like I really had a big prediction or anything because I didn't really tell anybody this, but when I saw that it was you Darvish again after the trouble that he was having yeah. throwing pitches in, in, in his first start of the series, and instead of going to Kershaw, they were going to have Kershaw as the backup plan and go to you Darvish for game seven. I was like, I don't know if that's the smart move or not there. I uh, I kind of feel like that might not work out for them, and sure enough, uh, it did not work out, but yeah, the Astros did what they were supposed to do. They took advantage, especially George Springer, and, and all uh, hats off to them, and especially hats off to Sports Illustrated for printing that cover in 2014, predicting yeah. your 2017 world champion Houston Astros back when their record was, you know, 60 and 100 or whatever. Uh, that's some cojones. That's some stones, and they did it, and they were 100% correct, and they even predicted George Springer as the World Series MVP. You that's calling your shot. That's big right there. You can't get any better than that. Yeah, but what what do you risk when you do that? What really is the, the right. downside? Wrong, nobody remembers. Right. Exactly. Nobody's going to care. I mean, just they should have been. They would have been proud of the fact that the Astros were even in the World Series. Be like, look, look, look. We called that, or the fact that they were even good and or made the playoffs, or that their rebuilding was working. So, yeah, you, you lose nothing by making the prediction. Hey, you and I do this all the time. We predict things. We have shows where we, we, we analyze, like, who's going to make the playoffs or who's going to do what. And we really only talk about it when we are right. Or, or unless one of us just falls completely on our face, you know, yeah. and, and, and we give the other one crap for, for that pick. But it's all, you know, it's just all in good fun. But when we're right, we're, like, really excited. You know, we're, we're happy. We 
always talked up the fact that we had gotten one of our teams into the Super Bowl almost every year through a really long stretch there. Um, so, and we also yeah. constantly talked about that year that we both predicted the Ravens to win the Super Bowl in August, and they went on to win the yeah. Super Bowl. Exactly. That was our called shot. So we remember it when it happens, but we don't want to talk about what the, our, our other Super Bowl picks were. We, we're not going to go there. No, no, <laughs> I am definitely not talking about no. But that's the whole point, though, of doing something like that or writing an article like that or talking about the future because it's fun to do. And when you're right, you get to go, hey, look at us. They were eerily right. So they, they really, you know, not they, whoever wrote that article and put that piece together and did all the work on that deserves a lot of credit for for being so right. But it's nothing more than a, you know, nothing more than a minor. I mean, are they going to put the next article and just put like nailed it, you know, is that what it's going to say? Or? <laughs> they could, they heard that right. No, I, I understand did. what you're saying, but but at the same time, they don't do it for every. You're never going to see the cover of the 2024 World Champion Chicago White Sox. You're not seeing that cover ever because they know better. <laughs> but they did it for the Astros, and they were right, and and they deserve the props for that. Yeah. Well, yeah, because somebody looked at what they were doing and recognized what they were putting together, and they saw something special. People were talking about the Cubs as being good. Um, a few years before they, you know, two, three years before they really got good. And everybody, you know, even when we talked about when they went to the NLCS that year, we were talking about how it was happening even faster than we thought it would. Like we weren't even mm-hmm. expecting, you know, and then, and then, and then boom, they win the world series the next year. And then they're right back in the NLCS, even with a down effort, um, you know, but you saw it coming. And I, you know, with Houston, I remember us talking about Houston in our preseason baseball show when we did our predictions and talking about the, you know, they reminded me of what, of the Cubs, you know, with the youth and that, that effort and the totally turning around the, the farm system. And you look at the things that we marveled about every time we talk about the Cubs on this show, about how all these guys would come up and they were just, they'd be hits. They'd come up and they'd be great. And Astros did the same thing. They farmed one hell of a team. And they deserve to be the champions right now. Absolutely. It's still weird to say world champion Houston Astros, but they absolutely deserve it. Yeah. I, I like it. I like it better than the Dodgers. It, come on. Dodgers. <laughs> the Astros are All the right, better. Are sport. we on? Sure. And Carlos Correa proposing on the field afterwards and all that. I wonder what would have happened if they'd have lost the game. Is, is that ring going to be you would have, uh, you would have away until next season or what? <laughs> uh, what? Proposal? No, I wasn't planning on any proposal. What are you talking about? No, where's that ring? Yeah. Uh, are we on for uh, Tuesday night at, at 9 o'clock Central? Do we have any plans yeah, uh, in the works for that? No. No, Tuesday works well. Tuesday, I uh, should be good to go at 9 o'clock on Tuesday. There we go, 9 o'clock Central, Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern to recap 
week nine in the NFL where Jay and I are different on five games, uh, three in the early afternoon and the two primetime battles. And boy, with all these new quarterbacks, there's a lot that's going to, it feels like a sort of a season of change type of week in the NFL. Some teams are going to have happy answers to their new quarterback situations. Some teams are going to have, a uh, very sad answer. I don't know if all three or all four of these new quarterbacks are going to lose. Uh, I, I, yeah. I'm certainly not predicting that. Uh, but whatever happens, one way or another, there, there's going to be sort of a new jumping-off point for for a lot of these teams. So, uh, should be actually compelling how it breaks down. Yeah, I believe they call this in Hollywood a soft reboot. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that sounds about right. All right. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been in much less detail, the podcast. Thank you all for listening in and get ready for football on Sunday, week nine of the NFL, sort of starting the second half of the season, if you will. And we will be back Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Central to recap week nine in the National Football League. We will talk to you then. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.